All right, everybody, get ready uh, with your Bibles or with notes. You got a blank page today. That could be really good news or really bad news. I got to. I couldn't fit it all on one page, so uh, so we're in trouble. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I um I had a plan and a reason why I did it this way. You know, this is uh, interesting how it printed. Um, it's a blank page. You can take some notes. You can use that space any way you want to. Got four blank spaces for you to fill in the uh, the lines, and I really kind of want it to be where you can't guess what uh, what goes in those spaces quite yet. Uh, I, I would. The sermon is about the good fight, the good fight of faith, fighting the good fight. What you know, and what does that mean? We're going to look at the passage where it comes from. This is a phrase that Paul uses a couple of times. But fight the good fight of faith, and I think we'd all agree, you know, that life is a spiritual struggle. Life is a fight. The question is, do we have the right attitude toward this life? Do we view life as this struggle, as a fight, and we're going to go all at it, all in, and we're going to go at it? You look up this um, verse on the line, and you just do some searches for images. I was trying to find an image to use that I was going to carry up. And uh, whenever this verse is quoted... Fight the good fight of faith. It usually it shows one of two things. The most often used one was that I saw was punching uh, gloves, you know, boxing gloves, and getting ready for the fight, and you're boxing. The other one was uh, perhaps a more uh, in, in tune with scriptures was a sword. So we've got the we got the sword of the spirit. We know that that is an offensive tool that we can have to fight this spiritual fight that we're in, and it is a fight. And the question is, do we realize, do we have the attitude of being in a fight? Do we realize that we're in a struggle? Do we realize the war that we're in? So let's talk about this idea of the fight. The passage read was in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse number 12. I want to read verse number 11 with it. And actually to highlight the... Uh, the idea that this is a fight that we struggle with, it's kind of an internal struggle. Let's go back up to chapter 6, verse number 9. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wondered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. So just listening to those two verses, you get this picture of a struggle. Man, am I going to love money or am I going to love God? Am I going to love things or am I going to, to love Christ Jesus and serve Him? Or am I going to get stuck having things as my master and serving them? We talked about that recently and talked about that idea that we are tempted by riches, and we need to treat our riches in the correct way. So that's one way that this is a struggle. It's a fight. Verse 11 and 12 then goes on to say, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. 
take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we see and get this impression as this this struggle, it's an internal struggle. It's, It's flee from the evil things, pursue the good things, pursue godliness. That's what we talked about last week. Pursuing the right things. And this is defined then as fighting the good fight. This fight is very personal. So here's the notes. Not a lot of notes today, but might as well get the ones right that we need to write in. Number one, the fight is very personal. It's an internal struggle. It's living by faith. It's not giving up on the things that God calls us to. It's being devoted. It's pursuing the right things. It's not getting distracted with the junk. Flee from the junk. Live for God. So the fight is very personal. It's an internal struggle. 1 Timothy 6.12 Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse number 7. And here's Paul talking about the, the end of his life. Thinking about the time for him to expire. To take his last breath. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. So here's Paul acknowledging this idea of the good fight. It's a a struggle. It's a fight that you've got to hold on to. You've got to finish it. You've got to keep that course to the end. You don't give up. This is dependent upon you. It's your decision. Are you going to continue to fight or not? Paul says, I made it to the end. I fought the good fight. I've kept the course. I have, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. That's what we want to do. We want this is, this is very personal. It's your decision. I can't make you keep the faith, can I? I can encourage you. But it's up to you. It's up to us as individuals to decide, I want to get to the end of life and say these words. And will it be true? We want to make sure if it's, if it's going to be true at the end of our life, we've got to start on it right now and continue it. Fight the good fight. Finish the course. Keep the faith. That is what we must do. Look at Luke chapter... uh, Go to Luke chapter 13. Something interesting I I found is that that in um, our first and second Timothy passages where it's talking about fight the good fight. I've fought the good fight. That verse is... Or that same Greek word is used in Luke... 1324. So let's look and see if we can figure out where the word fight is at in Luke 13:24. Here are the words of Jesus, and he says, "Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able." Does anybody's translation have the word fight in there? But you can figure out pretty easily that the Greek word back behind here, the word that could be translated fight, is the very first word. Strive. It's what the New American Standard has. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Well, that word strive, it's more like strive to get through the narrow door. 
It's fight to enter through the narrow door. This is a very personal, very internal struggle that we've got to give it our all. We have to fight. We have to strive to enter through the narrow door because going through the wide gate, it's real easy. We aren't in this life to do easy things, though, are we? We strive for, we fight for the faith. We fight the good fight of faith if we want to get through the narrow door. It's a very internal, personal struggle that we, uh, we wage war with. We fight the good fight. Now go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse number 18, here's another place where the phrase in our Bibles is fight the good fight. 1 Timothy 1.18 is where Paul is talking to Timothy and Paul is trying to teach Timothy to, to keep the command, to go out and fight against the, the, the evil doctrines that are being portrayed, the false doctrines from, from people who have bad motives. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Now what I didn't expect to find, I didn't realize this when... I was doing my uh, preparatory work with my friend on Tuesday. These are actually a little bit different Greek words behind fight the good fight. It's not the exact same phrase. This one is a little bit more like war the good war. So he talks about fighting the good fight. He talks about warring the good war. This is really, this is really intense. This is a command to give it your all and to realize you're in a battle. We're in a war. The war is being waged and we're in it whether we like it or not. War, the good war. Fight the good fight. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 11. 1 Peter 2, 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Let's pause for a second. Just think about this. This is very much like Paul telling Timothy, flee the, the evil desires and pursue the godliness. Fight that good fight. And here is Peter writing, and he's saying, I urge you as aliens and strangers. This isn't where we belong. This isn't our home. Remember that. So abstain from the worldly things that wage war against your soul. You are in a battle. There, are, there is somebody who has proclaimed war against you. You think about uh, Ukraine. It doesn't seem like they were too interested in being at war with Russia, were they? But Russia waged war at them. And, and did Ukraine say, uh, afraid you're going to have to go home because we don't want to fight this fight. Sorry. That isn't how war works, is it? When the enemy comes and attacks you, you can defend yourself or die. You are in a battle. We are in a battle. The fight is on. The war is being waged. So let us remember when it comes to, to go back to last Sunday when we talked about our worldly stuff. 
Don't pursue the worldly stuff. Let's pursue godliness. It's not easy. But let us have the right attitude. We're in a war, so wage war. Don't get caught up. Don't get distracted by the junk. You will lose your soul. You got to strive. You got to fight to enter the narrow way. Back to 2 Timothy. Uh, we were in 1 Timothy, but now back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse, uh, we'll read verses 3 and 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Excuse me, of Christ Jesus. Verse 4. No soldier in active service entangles himself with the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. So note, same message. You're at war. You're a soldier here. The enemy is attacking you, so don't get distracted by the junk. Don't get entangled in everyday affairs. Don't lose sight of the fact that you're in a war. Don't get distracted. What we must do then is please the one who enlisted us. So who called you to Christ? Christ is the one who calls us. God is the one who calls us. Don't get distracted. Seek to please God. Be a good soldier by pleasing the one who enlisted you. So, the question comes, how are you going to please God? It's a very personal question, isn't it? It's up to you if you are striving to enter the narrow way. How are you going to please God? Number one, you're going to make sure that you are saved. You're going to make sure that you are fighting the good fight. You are making sure that you are keeping the faith. You make sure that you're not pursuing the junk of the world. You are pursuing godliness. That is how we fight this good fight. That is how we please God. We do the things that God wants us to. So that's number one. How can we please God? We do the things that God wants us to. We please God. We do the things that pleases Him. And then number two, something that would please God very much, is not only if we can make sure that we ourselves stay in His love and care, that we ourselves stay saved. That's what we're talking about. Entering the narrow gate. Us being saved. Us getting to the end of life and saying, I fought the fight. Kept the course. Finished. Kept the faith. Something else that would please God very much is if we would save others. On the outline, on that blank page, I started out, I was going to put, if you notice on the right, it says, uh, so the fight. Very personal an internal struggle. To the right of that is a little, it didn't show up real well, but it's a little circle. Imagine in the circle that that's your internal fight. Just all the notes you just took on all these, uh, these uh, verses that we went to, just put all that stuff inside that little circle. Take all those notes and rewrite it inside the little circle if you can. That all pertains to us and it's just us. It's right in there. But we're just one little piece of what's in the world, aren't we? We're just one person in the midst of 
millions and billions of people. And there is more to this fight than just us. There are others that are involved. Imagine, instead of just that little circle, imagine that little circle being enveloped by a large circle that represents the world. And if that large circle actually is uh, too big, I decided I was going to put a big circle outside the little one. And I thought, no, the, the battle's bigger than that. The war is bigger than that. This war is the everlasting world war. That's number two. The everlasting world war. You think of the great wars, you'd say, well, what were the great wars in the world? The great world wars, World War I, World War II. Oh, boy, now we're scared about World War III. We've been scared of that for a long time. But we ignore the fact that those are, those are nothing. In comparison to the war that began long ago and will last till the very end of the age. The one that will be everlasting. It will end on the day that Christ returns. The everlasting war is the war that is being waged by Satan against God. So if you think about war, we think about what this world is and what's going on. One of the most basic ways you can look at it is that Satan is waging war against God. How does he do that? How does he fight? What's the, what's the, why, does he, why does he fight in the first place? What's the war all about? Well, let's go to in 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, and we're going to end up coming back to this verse for a sermon later. But notice in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, it says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And by the way, you want to do what pleases God, then you better look and consider what's good and acceptable in His sight. So this is describing it. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So one of the most basic things that God wants, what He desires is for all people to be saved. For God so loved the world. Here's the big circle. God loves the entire world. God loves every soul that He created. Every soul is precious to Him. He wants every soul to be saved. He wants every soul to be in a right relationship with Him. He wants every soul to come and experience eternal life with Him. That's what God wants. He wants us. He wants you. He wants me. He wants the drug dealer down the street. He wants the... the it doesn't... Everybody. You point to any of them. He wants the guy on the other side of the aisle in the Congress. He wants us all. But somebody is fighting to mess that up. If I can say a somebody. A someone. He's the adversary. He is the one who is fighting against God. God wants everyone saved. And Satan, it seems like I could, this is all I can, the only way I can think to say this, 
And you might be able to argue against it a little bit in one way. But it seems like Satan's only possible hope of bringing harm or hurt to God is by stealing the souls away from him that he wants to, be, wants to save. Does God take pleasure in the death of the wicked? No. No delight in that. Satan's only way to, to harm or hurt God, if you can say that, can't really do damage to God, can you? But somehow you can. If any of us dies and goes to hell, God forbid, God will not be pleased. He will be just. He will serve justice. That's true. But he doesn't want that. God desires for all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. So I take this in a very, and by the way, make sure you got for line number 2, the eternal world war. Um, and it's probably, the, the, you could, it's a spiritual kind of thing. It's not a world war here in this. It's a spiritual war, but it is for the world, for every soul in it. But look at verse number 8, and you'll get this idea that, you know, this kind of applies to number 1. It's a very personal fight. It's a very, you've got to stay aware and be alert. It says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, Seeking someone to devour. Satan wants to get you. He wants to devour you. He wants you to go to hell with him. And that's not just true for you. It's true for every soul in this world. Satan wants us all. It's the only hope, the only chance he has of doing any harm to God. He wants us all. So he is waging war. There is a battle going on, a battle for souls. It's not just for your soul, it's for every man's soul. Every, oh, just a footnote here, whenever I say men and man, it's a universal thing. I'm talking about men and women, it's people. I hate you have to say that in this day and age, but you do, don't you? He's after us all. There is a large world. That's why, that's why that thought of us, it's just, I try to make it a small, it's a small circle. It's huge to God, it's huge to us. But there's more, isn't there? There's a war, there's a battle for souls. Now don't you think it would please the one who enlisted you? Don't you think it would please him if you did more than just save your own soul? If you could help to save someone else's soul, to lead them to a knowledge of the truth, to lead them to Jesus Christ, the one who can save them, there's a war going on. We're in it, and it doesn't just involve just us, it's everybody. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 41. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 41, is Jesus... um, Talks and parables here. He says, Then he will also say to those on his left, these are to the sinners, the ones who didn't do, please God, Depart from me, 
accursed ones into the eternal fire. This is God at judgment day judging men's souls. Into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want any of us to go to hell. God didn't prepare hell. He didn't create hell for us. He didn't create hell for the drug dealer down the street. He didn't prepare hell for the murderer, but... That's where we shall go if we don't turn to Christ. There's a war going on. Satan wants to take as many souls as he can to do harm to your God. Do you hear that? That's the war that Satan is involved with in this life. This is what God cares about. He cares about souls. He doesn't care about your 401k. He cares about souls. He doesn't care about if the Bengals are going to win this afternoon. It would be alright if they did, but he cares about souls. Do you care about souls? Do I care about souls? God's going, hey, you're, you're down there, you're cheering on the, the Bengals. How about you cheer on somebody to Christ and lead them to Christ? That's what matters. There's a war going on. How many sports things you think they got going on in Ukraine right now? Did you get any call time out from war to, hey, my son's got basketball this evening. Can you guys hold off that offensive until uh, tomorrow morning? You know, it's there's a war going on. Yeah, it's an, an internal struggle. Keeping the faith. But we've got to have a little bit bigger picture than that. We're in a war. And we should be getting a little angry that the number of people in this church, in this auditorium, has dwindled and dwindled. Starting to make me a little mad. Well, it's because they haven't realized there's a war going on. We're at war. Good to read our Bibles every day. It's very important that you take this fight and make it very personal and that you keep that faith. But there's a war going on. You think God is pleased that people are falling away from faith in Christ Jesus? That there are people out there who are lost? God's up there saying, I sent my son to die for you. I remind you every Sunday of what I've done in this battle. I gave everything. What will you give? What will you do? Are you going to fight the fight? Or are you going to sit there and sing some songs and then go out and live like everybody else? There's a war going on. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse, verse number 1. Paul again here. Paul is such a great example to us, reminding us he always lived like he was at war. When he said, I fought the good fight, he meant it. When he said, I waged a good war, he meant it. He could say it with all, with all sincerity of faith. We've got to too. Colossians 2, 1. Listen. 
For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. He's saying, I was fighting on your behalf. I was fighting for you and for those who were at Laodicea. Oh, and by the way, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. All right, so I wonder uh, who that is a reference to. Is that just a reference to the people in Colossae, the city of one city or two cities, Colossae and Laodicea? Is it just those two cities? Man, we know Paul. He was struggling for everyone. He wanted to save the world that Jesus died for. He wanted to reach as many people as possible. He's saying, I was fighting and struggling for everybody who hasn't seen my face. Praise God for his work and his writing and letting the spirit work through him. His willingness to fight and wage the war because we still have his words now that encourage us. Though he hadn't seen our face either. Will you fight for people? Will you struggle and wage war for souls? Will we do that? Will we fight for all? God died for all. Will we fight for all? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Paul saying, hey, uh, this isn't a war with guns and bombs. But when it comes to these spiritual things, when we're fighting the good fight of faith, when we're fighting for Christ, we can destroy fortresses. We can wipe out strongholds. We can take it right at the devil and wage war. The devil thinks he's got people on his side and that he's won souls to hell and we can go in and say, nope. We're taking these folks back. We can fight. We have the weapons we need. So let us fight for souls. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 22. We are close by there. 1 Corinthians 9, 22. To the weak I have become weak, or the, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all means I I might save some. Fight to save souls. Fight to win souls back to God. That's what God wants us to do. It's all that matters. Us to give our lives to Christ. Us to help somebody else give their life to Jesus also. God loves people. And there's somebody who's doing him harm, fighting against him, taking away the souls that he wants. Satan is pulling souls away from God, and we need to win them back. We have to fight the good fight. Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. You can see a heading above chapter 10. I do in my Bible. 
the heading for chapter 10, it says the 70 sent out. So the 70 disciples went out for Jesus and they come back to him. Verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's a pretty cool picture. And we can have the same effect when we give ourselves over to this fight and we do battle. We wage the good war. Fight the good fight. We can have the same effect because of the name of Jesus and the power that we have, that we wield. Let us wage a good war. Let us fight the good fight. Let us make Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Don't you want to do that? God needs us. Let us fight for souls. For in so doing, we take hold of the eternal life to which we were called. Look at 1 Timothy, this is where I end. Chapter 6, verse number 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of it. When we fight that good fight, we're taking hold of the eternal life to which we were called. Let us be strong and courageous. Let us fight the good fight of faith. If anybody wants to give their life to Jesus because you know that that's all that matters is your eternal soul, you're welcome to do that today. If anybody needs the prayers of the church so that you can go forth in the, in the strength of Christ and win souls for Christ, I encourage you to, to come. We will pray for you as we stand together and sing.